It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Joining us right now via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line is our guy Jeremy Rutherford with The Athletic. JR, we were just talking about this. The Athletic, uh, not The Athletic, the Montreal Canadiens, they were fighting in practice today. Obviously, last place team, midseason. This does not, this does not look good. They're going to win the cup. <laughs> I was I was chuckling when you guys were uh, telling that story because it reminded me of something. I got to give you a little context here, a little background. So the Blues have an outstanding video department, and a good friend Trevor Nickerson uh, run, runs the the department over there, and he's just phenomenal. Super smart guy. He's on top of everything. He seems like he's always got a camera everywhere. You know, this is a guy who, when the Blues acquired Ryan Miller and Steve Ott. They flew into Arizona to meet the team. Trevor left the hotel, met them at the airport. He put them in one Uber. He got in another Uber and then drove down the highway, you know, alongside of them and filmed them in their car coming to the hotel to meet the team. So that's where this guy comes from with, with his ideas. And so when Sanford and Bortuzzo get into that fight, I think Charlie Marlowe Channel 2 was the only camera that was there at practice that day that got it. A couple days later, Trevor says to me, I got to get that video. And if you guys know, the teams, they don't go out of their way to get this negative stuff. They'll do everything they can to avoid that type of stuff. And I said, Trevor, what the heck do you need the video for? And he said, in case they win the Stanley Cup. And I said, Trevor, they're in last place. Why would you need this video? They're never going to win the Stanley Cup. And he said, watch. When they win the Stanley Cup, this is going to be the turning point in the video that shows what got them started on their way to win the Cup. I'll never forget that. Just wow. He was thinking thinking that far ahead. That's an amazing That's story. Remarkable. I mean, honestly, but it kind of makes me feel worse about our chances tomorrow night now. JR, the Blues continue the road trip into Montreal, uh, and they had a great game last night in, in Ottawa. What did you, one thing that you noticed about that Thomas Tarasenko Buchnevich line last night? Yeah, I think it was what, what uh, Craig Bruby said afterwards. Like when he goes to put these lines together, he's looking for some grit. He's looking for a puck possessor. He's looking for a shooter. And he feels like he has those things with that line. You know, the thing that I tried to write in the story today is that it, it's almost like he can take any combination, three guys of that top nine or 10 and make the type of line that he wants. It's just, Riv, are they performing on that night? And I think last night, those guys were just on it. I mean, 23 shots directed at the net, nine points. The passing on that goal by Thomas, just phenomenal. How Buchnevich saw Tarasenko out in front there. And, and with Tarasenko, you know, like Craig said after the game, you know, it's just not the shooting. It's not just the goals. It's not the points. It's every time he turned around, Craig Bruby, he said he saw uh, Tarasenko back-checking, tracking back to do everything he could to break up plays, and he was doing that. So last night, we've seen a lot of great line performances this year. That one was right up there. Well, you know, uh, JR, one of the biggest topics of conversation is the goalie. So who still picks up the W last night? Are you expecting Bennington in that tomorrow? Yeah, I've been listening to the show. i got to go with uh, Riv here. I think tomorrow's an opportunity for Bennington. You can look at it. We always say you can look at it two ways. You need the points. You know what helps you get the get the points? It, it's it's probably Huso, but you got to get uh, Bennington going. And as Riv mentioned, six back to back, so you know Bennington's going to get us uh, you know some games here. And uh, I think tomorrow night's probably the opportunity. If not, then then you probably play Huso against Toronto anyway. So you're looking at Philadelphia for Bennington. So I'd probably go with Bennington tomorrow night. 
you know, as, as inconsistent as he's been, this is a game that if he wants any part of this job back, he has to win that game tomorrow night. Now, of course, you need the team to play well in front of you, but he's got to have the type of performance that's going to win you a game. And, and you know what? If they put him out against Montreal tomorrow night, and for whatever reason he plays a part in the team not winning that game, you know, you got even bigger issues. So to me, you probably go Bennington and then uh, Huso against Toronto. Yeah, JR, we threw this out to the listeners. You probably heard as, as we were talking about it a little bit earlier, but we kind of asked, you know, what does it, what would it take for you to regain that faith back in Jordan Bennington? And I realize that your job is a little bit different than having a faith in a certain guy or not, but like what, what would you, what do you believe that the organization needs to see out of Bennington to flip the script and get the games back the way that they were at the beginning of the season where he's getting the lion's share. Yeah, CBT, that's why I always listen to your guys' show because you're so thought-provoking. I was picking <laughs> up my kid when you guys were throwing out that question, and it got me thinking, too, as I went around the carpool line there, is, is uh, you know, what would it take? And to me, it's it's never one game. And, you know, I, I heard Jamie's answer, and I know that uh, he understands you got to win a couple, too. You know, but it, it's a situation where, hey, he can go out tomorrow night and they beat Montreal 5-1, to one and he has a pretty good performance if he's in net. We're just, you know, hypothetically, he's in net. But to me, it's got to be more than that. Like, it's, it's, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a shutout. It has to be him in control in the crease. He's not overplaying you know he, he wins a game maybe uh they go with Huso against uh, toronto but then maybe they play bennington against philadelphia again just hypothetically and he goes out and he puts a second good game back to back well then you want to have a uh, performance against a good team you know i don't consider montreal philadelphia quality opponents necessarily so now he's got to do it maybe a third time so me with the stretch that he's been in and the fact that Huso has completely overtaken the job if Bennington wants to get back where he's considered the 1A, it, it has to be a stretch of games. JR, Frank Saravelli and Adrian Dater have, well, they've just poked the hornet's nest, and there's bees flying everywhere right now because they've said that Claude Giroux is available and that he would waive his no-movement clause to go to the Avalanche or the Blues and Frank Saravelli is basically said, uh, yeah, the Colorado makes a lot of sense, but don't sleep on the St. Louis Blues regarding a deal for Claude Giroux. I personally have no idea how they could finagle getting under the salary cap and add Claude Giroux and address maybe a top 4D. What are you hearing out there in, in, in reporters row about Claude Giroux and the Blues? Yeah, so I got to be honest, you know, that report comes out and it's not one that you envision. Like you look at a lot of these guys who could be on the trade market and obviously Drew's name has come up here recently and you, you just think, okay, well, does this make sense? And when it doesn't, uh, you move on. And, and so Drew is not a guy that was kind of on my radar uh, for the Blues. But, you know, over the last 15, 16 years, these kind of reports pop up and you check into them. And, and what I've uh, been told is that uh, Drew and his agent, uh, Pat Brisson, you know, they if they haven't already, they're going to go to Chuck Fletcher, the GM, and give him a list of teams. And uh, it's going to be obviously a list of contenders, and the Blues are probably going to be on that list. Are the Blues going to be interested? Look, I've never not known Doug Armstrong to be uninterested in a situation like that. Now, we can look at the forwards and, and analyze it and say, look, they, they don't need a Giroud-type player, uh, you know, in terms of they've got guys up front – you know, they, the help that they need is on defense, so they need to address that. But, you know, what if those prices are too high for uh, the defense? What if Giroux makes sense for this team from from what Doug Armstrong is willing to part with and, and what Philadelphia wants? So 
I don't see it and look at it like a situation that, oh, yeah, it's a no-brainer for the St. Louis Blues. I would think they'd uh, pay particular attention to the defenseman leading into that March 21st trade deadline. Uh, but if Claude Giroux wants to come here and they can make it work somehow, you know, I, I just don't see how that's uh, feasible with the uh, cap situation that they have and the needs that they have. Let's put the cap situation aside just for a second, even though I know you can't. What if this is the zig when everybody else is zagging for Doug Armstrong? What if it's a situation where he says, you know what? Maybe we can't get that D-man. Nico Mikola's playing better lately. Craig Berube likes him. What if we added another dynamic forward who plays a 200-foot game and is a responsible guy? What if we went all in on offense instead of defense? Is that a scenario you could see? Yeah, very well. Very well could be. And and that's why that's why Doug Armstrong is where he is. That's why he won his 500th game as the Blues GM last night, 25th guy in league history to do that. That's why we talk about Doug Armstrong with his trade record and, and, and the way it's gone. Seems like he, you know, fleeces every team. You know, has he made mistakes before? Yeah, he would probably admit to a few. But he has a track record that says, I'm not listening to everybody. You know, I see our needs. I see that we probably have a hole on defense. I think we could probably upgrade there. Maybe I can do that one on the cheap, and maybe I can get the Giroux done, uh, deal done. So um, that's why, you know, I don't automatically dismiss those types of things because we're dealing with two things, a, a guy who has a long winning track record and a guy who, like you said, everybody else is zigging and he can be zagging. I really do think there could be, at the end of the day, some truth to that. Jared, how remarkable, speaking of Doug Armstrong's accomplishment, how remarkable is it that he, he was able to win that many games as a GM in a salary cap game? It's just amazing, Anthony. It, it really is. And, you know, I, I've said this before, but it's just the ability that he has had to evolve the roster year after year and have it remain competitive. The winning percentage is, I think it's still top three or four since he took over points percentage uh, since he took over his GM in 2010. Uh, but it's, it's drafting the Tarasenko's and the Schwartz's and letting them become quality players for your roster. And then when those guys start to age, you know, making the trade for Braden Chen, making the trade for Ryan O'Reilly. In the meantime, you're drafting the Jordan Kairos and the Robert Thomases. To me, if somebody said, mark down the number one thing, you know, that he and his staff have been able to do. It's evolving the roster in a cap era and making it competitive year after year after year. Hey, JR, uh, I know you tweeted about this earlier. Uh, your uh, colleague over at The Athletic, Corey Promen, put together a piece, and it was Who Says No? And it was different trades, various trades out there. But there was a trade for Jacob Chikrin floated out there. Ooh. Jacob Chikrin to St. Louis for Marco Scandella, Scott Perunovich, Jake Neighbors, and a first-round pick in 2022. It was different executives that weighed in on this. Executive number one says St. Louis would say no. Executive number Number two says Arizona would say no. Jeremy Rutherford says. Did we run out of time for this segment? Ah, yeah. Yeah. Come on, JR. <laughs> no, I got you. Yeah, I, I, uh, I did see that, and it's, uh, it's interesting that one exec says yes and one says no. Here's my thing. I love Jake Neighbors. Everything I saw early on from him, I think he's a great player. I think Scott Perinovich is a great player. But if you can get a Jacob Chikrin three more years $4.6 million to solidify that left side. Here's my key point. And anything I say, this is my key point in this trade proposal is you got the Shens, you got the Krugs, you got the Fox. Those guys have long-term deals. 
but you know they're going to be in their 30s. You need to win now. You need to win now. And Jake Neighbors, he's certainly going to help you in a few years. Scott Pernovich going to help you in a few years. Jacob Chickren can help you win now. He can help you solidify that left side. And listen, you, you move Marco Scandella's salary and first rounder. Heck, you're going to give that up in a Sherratt trade or, or a Giordano, Giordano trade. Some team is. I'm not saying the Blues are. So to me, that's probably got to be included too. So you're getting term with this player. That's the thing. Chickering is not a rental, and it's not just one more year on his deal. You know, it's three more years on his deal. So to me, I would do that a little begrudgingly with a couple of those prospects, but you have to do it. Boom. Good stuff, JR. Appreciate it as always. Great stuff at The Athletic. We'll talk to you again next week. No, it's glad. I'm glad that uh, Jamie stuck around for the whole show today. No uh, TV or movies or anything. Well, stay, stay tuned. It's a tough life, JR. You know it. Stay tuned for tomorrow, JR. <laughs> All right, I will.